Welcome to the Awaken Take Podcast. On today's show, we recap the Super Bowl. We go through all the game action, halftime, commercials. We talk about all of it, um, as well as some legacy talk about Tom Brady. Now seven Super Bowls, absolutely incredible. Then we talk Vikings and some news over the weekend. They have a new offensive coordinator, and we think it's a good hire. We talk NCAA hoops. We go throughout the top 25, the AP top 25, talk about some history made this week in the AP Top 25, and we wrap the show with our most revolutionary athlete of all time, first-round matchups, Tiger Woods, Sean White, and Muhammad Ali versus Billy Jean King. Those blogs are up on our website right now, wakeandtakepod.com. Go check them out. All of that today and more there on the Wake and Take Podcast. a house in New Orleans They call the rising sun and it's been a ruin of many a poor boy. And God, I know I've won. And welcome to the show, fellas. Not a very exciting Super Bowl, unless you bet on the Bucks like I did. And I don't think you guys did. You didn't. We, we just talked about it, but I don't think any of you guys picked them. Uh, and some of you didn't give picks, but... I did give a pick, and I picked the box, and so this is my time to gloat, fellas. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, not a super entertaining Super Bowl, like I mentioned. It, it was an okay halftime show. Maybe we can talk about that. I know it's been it's always kind of a controversial issue. People like it, people don't, whatever. But Tom Brady, seven Super Bowls now, fellas, more than any NFL franchise, which is just an insane statistic uh, when you think about one player having more than every other team in the National Football League. And maybe going for more now, fellas. Um, how did everybody do on their prop bets and whatnot? I finished about even. So okay. I guess I can't complain there. Entertaining and didn't lose money. Yeah. Randy, Zach? I, uh, I swore off the, the betting for good for a while here, but I, our buddy Jake, he had a couple of sweet bets. He, um, he, he picked uh, Winfield getting a pick on plus 950. Um, and I think it was Blue Gatorade of the liquid yep. coming out. Yep. He had that. I think he said that was plus 950 as well, which is, I, I thought no, there were only two colors. High. Okay. He might have just said that in the same text. Uh, he had a couple of good ones. And then he picked up, put some big money on the Bucks to win too. He was just riding that out. So, and he had Gronk first touchdown. Oh, yeah. That's right. Wow. Yeah. That was probably big money. Well, he did well for himself. <laughs> yeah. He did. Yeah, I, mean, I had uh, I had Leonard Fournette over sixty yards and touchdown, which uh, which hit pretty easily. And then uh, um, I entered the DraftKings like five fifty five million dollar five million. I don't know, like their their biggest uh, event of the year, and um, I won fifty bucks in that. I came to the top percent of people, and my uh, um, uh, really the only person holding me back was I had Patrick Mahomes on on my team, and he had twelve points. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that was, uh, and then I put a, I put a live bit down in the fourth quarter that the chiefs would score a touchdown. Um, and that was not the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't believe they didn't get a touchdown in the super. Bowl. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, a- yeah absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> it was just an incredible defense performance by the Bucks. I mean, they, they, and Vikings Twitter was going crazy last night. Uh, about how bad that offensive line was and how bad Mahomes looked. And, and you know, that's the case for, I mean, it, that's the case for almost every quarterback, obviously, is you see the best quarterback in the NFL at 
you know, 25 years old playing in a second straight Super Bowl, look completely flustered and not be able to do anything all day. And a lot of people last night on Viking Twitter were arguing, see, that's what, what do you think you'd look like in Minnesota? Or that's what Kirk Cousins looks like every week. Uh, and it, it was an absolutely dominating performance by that Bucks defense. Winfield nearly had a couple picks, fellas. He almost had another diver. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's an insane bet. I had one on Devin White to win MVP, just a flyer, $10. It's paying out like 250 or something like that. And uh, obviously didn't win MVP, but he had an interception and some tackles. He had a phenomenal game. I think if there could have been, uh, if it would have been a little tighter game and Tom Brady didn't throw three touchdowns, or was it, was it three or four touchdowns? I think it was three, three, three touchdowns yeah. on the first half. Yeah. So if, if that doesn't happen, then I think there's a chance that White would have got the MVP, but... It, that was kind of a flyer, so I wasn't uh, I wasn't expecting much out of that one. Um, did anybody pay attention to the commercials? Was there any good ones? Because I really wasn't paying attention too much to those. They were all super random, dude. Like the uh, humor has just gone to crap these days. Brayson DeChambeau hit the arm off of a Muppet with a golf ball. Oh yeah, I did see that. And one. I don't I, I don't know why I don't know why that made me laugh so hard. Like just seeing Bryson DeChambeau in a Super Bowl commercial, I was like, what the heck is going on here? <laughs> Of all the professional golfers that you could put in a Super Blood, <laughs> we yeah. came up with Brace and Michelle. And that was for, I think, Paramount Paramount Plus or something like that. Yeah. Because uh, they had like a uh-huh. bunch of ads. They, they ran like three or yeah, four they had throughout four, the Yeah, four, I think. Okay. Yeah, that's just the most random assortment of people. And I guess that makes sense because of their wide variety. That's what they're showing. But man, there are other commercials like the heck was that Wayne's world thing about? And then Cardi B comes in. It's like, dude, humor isn't, they just, they did away with all like original kind of cool humor that Doritos started with about the different, um, like the Dorito mouse comes out of the wall. Like just they had some classic, classic Super Bowl commercials. And now they're just trying so hard and it's just oh. random humor. It's the millennial humor, dude. I don't get it. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense yeah. to me. <laughs> One commercial that they tried really hard with, and I think they absolutely killed it was the Tide, uh, um, Seinfeld commercial. Mm, I didn't uh, see that one with um, uh, Costanza's face um, on the shirt and uh, um, like all the little um, like inside jokes, I guess. Um, I don't know if it's an inside joke because it's Seinfeld, but kind of all the the subtle fro- throwbacks of Seinfeld during that commercial. I thought that one was uh, was pretty cool. I was confused for a second, and then um, I thought it was uh, it was it was interesting enough to 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 make you think about it, and I think a lot of people maybe five to 15 years older than than the four of us uh uh really like that one yeah i uh I, I didn't get a chance to see that one i don't know if i would have really understood most of the jokes i've only seen a couple episodes of seinfeld just reruns on tv and whatnot but uh yeah it was uh a, a kind of lackluster game i guess folks it wasn't super exciting we were all you know, pretty jacked up going into that game. And, you know, even on the broadcast, Jim Nance is calling it one for the ages before they kick off. And then it really isn't one for the ages as the Bucks kind of run away with it. Uh, Zach, how was the halftime performance? Oh man, don't get me started. No, uh, it was, it, I'm not, I'm not a big weekend fan. It's, it's, it's too, I was telling Brady this a little bit. It's too high pitched and synthy and it just, there's not much substance to his music, man. And, he did great, like performance-wise. Like he just he sang great. I don't like his singing, but he, his singing sounded good. Um, 
what the heck was was going on in that gold tunnel, man? Like it was kind of cool at first. He's like going around, like, oh, it's kind of cool. And then these guys start coming out and running into each other. That was that. I was like, oh, I was uncomfortable. I was like almost shivering. I was so uncomfortable. You ever get that way? <laughs> I couldn't stand that dude. Uh, not during the halftime show, no. No, I I tell you, I I could go without never seeing another halftime show again, man. The last last couple, I have not been a fan of. And call me call me old fashioned, but I did not like that J Lo Shakira one. Um, oh, yeah, that's just me. But well, I, at least you didn't sue the NFL over that, saying that he uh, he wasn't going to get into heaven after seeing that. Oh, that. yeah, that's did wild. You, that's, did you hear about that? Yeah, oh. that's so crazy. Yeah, it was like a pastor from Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> he said the NFL because, yeah, it was him. I don't even think like his kids were watching at some point. I don't know. He just made yeah the argument that he wasn't going to get into heaven. Pretty wild. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I did, I did not like the weekend performance at all. I think his music is a, okay. He has some good songs. I don't really know why the weekend was chosen when people a lot older than us or even just a little older than us don't really know him that well. And I don't know how well the younger audience knows him. I guess because of TikTok, they know a few of his songs. But I just thought that he it wasn't a good performance like the the ones that we grew up watching with like the great dancers and all that and. War, uh, wardrobe malfunction. There was none of that. Um, but I thought, I thought it was so far. <laughs> thank goodness. Yeah, I guess Ram- thank goodness. Ramblin Rick goodness. probably, um, Ramblin Rick probably had to love 2005 to 2010 when the, the halftime performers were Paul McCartney, the Rolling Stones, Prince, Tom, Brad- Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Bruce Springsteen, and then The Who. And then ever <laughs> and then since then, it's been like pop, 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 pop. Yeah, dude. It, like, I remember watching. What did you say? The Rolling Stones in there, or were they before that? Yep, the Rolling yeah, Stones were a really good show. I still remember dude, that one. That was, that from, was crazy. You know, elementary school for us. Yeah, and I remember that. And that's maybe what I hold to a standard. Even though I remember our parents and us joking, like, and maybe I didn't understand it totally at the time. My, my dad was, or someone was like, "Wow, they're still alive," or made some jokes about them being really old. But they were just. We all decided it was super awesome to see the Stones up there playing, and it's really gone gone down the crapper fast, dude. Yeah. You get like well, Prince had a good one a couple of years ago. That wasn't too long ago. Did you say that was um, 08? Yeah, let me. Uh, I didn't. I don't know. Yeah, one I feel about like that was in like the past Prince. five years. Prince. No, really? it was not. Prince died when like it was five rainy. years ago. Yeah, that was like 08. That was uh, maybe yeah, it was 12. At, oh, was it 08? I'm going to say yeah, that 08. was sick. I'm checking. That, that was, was super sick. 2007. Uh, 2007. Yep. 2007. Okay. When was um, yeah, but, uh, Tom Bruno Mars. Petty? Bruno Mars was sick. Bruno Mars is good. When was Tom Petty's? Because I remember that one. I want to see how old we were for that. Because I remember a lot of that show. That, that was, one was 2008. 2008, the year after. Okay. Yeah, like, look at those guys. What happened? What happened to guys of that standard? Like, some are passing away. For sure, but yeah, that's, <laughs> okay, yeah that's, that's true. That was ironic that those two guys got brought up. Uh, but like, think <laughs> about the Stones or, or U2, all those guys that are still around. Like, what? Get them back, man. Get I don't. Yeah. The Stones are, might be a tad old now. Yeah, get U2 back, man. Yeah, I don't know. U2. I yeah, don't I remember that U2 one really clearly for some reason. Yeah, I do too. That was I a good one. I don't know why, but yeah, that they've definitely kind of fallen out of the golden age of uh, NFL halftime shows, Pepsi halftime show as they call it now. But uh, you, you never know. Maybe they'll get back into it. Um, I would imagine the decision for the weekend had something to do with the same decision of broadcasting the game on Nickelodeon. It's just trying to get the younger audience involved. Clearly the NFL identifies that, or, you know, 
stating that there's a problem with younger people not watching football and they're trying to make an effort for that. So I imagine that's part of the decision as well. Um, probably a big part. I did forget. Um, I, I did forget how many weekend songs I knew because if you would have asked me before that, that halftime show to name, like name weekend songs, I probably would have named like two or three and like every single one. I'm like, Oh, that's a weekend song. Oh, that, that one's a weekend song too. Yeah. Like they're not necessarily that I liked all of them, but um, I mean, I think recently the Super Bowl has been trying to go for attracting the young audience and at the same time an international audience. Um, and the weekend's Canadian. So hmm. that's, um, I mean, it's international. Yeah, good point. Uh, and we, we mentioned it on the show on Friday morning, Randy, um, how many songs we could name from the weekend. Uh, and then I think we, j- we only picked the I Can't Feel My Face song, right? That's the only one we could remember. I think it was Zach and I that were coming up with that. But oh, I'm sorry. I that think you said I, Randy. Uh, wow, well, just telling Randy he wasn't on. But yeah, we couldn't think of any either. And I, I'm with you. I like the my favorite one is when they were dancing on the field, the TikTok song, um, "Blinding Light." I think it's called "Blinding by the Light." Blinding lights. Blinding lights. There we go. Uh, I lo- that's a good tune. That's that's a nice tune. Um, but other than that, I, you know. It was whatever. Apparently, he spent like seven million dollars um, himself the weekend on that That's performance, which is That's insane. Wild. I don't even know where yeah, that money would go. Forty-five pound like jacket that had like rubies in it. What? Mm. Mm. Interesting. And I don't know why we're talking about the halftime show so much, but that one one girl had like diamond hair. Like all all her hair was like full of diamonds, or you know something. That was, oh, I missed, missed, missed that one. That was insane. She was just like us. Maybe it wasn't in the halftime show. She might have been before. I think it was, yeah, I think she was before. I think she was singing the national anthem. Whoever was singing the national anthem with Eric Church, I want to say. Yeah. That girl had. Jasmine Sullivan. Yeah, whatever. that Jasmine Sullivan had like, I don't know what was in her hair, but I, I didn't think it looked very good. And I'm, my grandma was laughing. It was crazy. It was kind of crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, fellas, back to the game. Anything else to, to wrap up the Super Bowl? Yeah, I just felt I mean, like they kind of. Go ahead, go ahead. Zach. Oh no, I was just to say, yeah, I felt like they could uh, <laughs> use that seven million dollars in another. I was just joking. I was just going back to this <laughs> show. Uh, uh, no, I got nothing left. Nothing left on the game. It was. I, I always felt the Chiefs could come back the whole time. Yeah, um, that's why it wasn't as boring as maybe other people maybe thought it was because I was like, ah, oh, now Mahomes probably coming back. He's coming back and. Even till the fourth quarter, down twenty-two, but now we're talking. I was like, you know, you know, nine minutes left. If anyone could do it, it's Mahomes. Like, why not? And then nothing. Just he didn't do anything, and it was kind of anticlimactic. Even though they, you know, a thirty-one to nine lead didn't seem safe at a lot of times with the Chiefs, but the way they looked, it was that was safe. That was very safe. Uh, that was just no protection for Mahomes. And yeah, maybe maybe that makes people appreciate some of their O lines a little more than they do. And Vikings aren't so lucky to say that and, and Kirk that might make Kirk look a little more appealing to to the general public after that performance. Yeah, I think um uh I I think if you look back to last year's Super Bowl and like just think as a kind of a hypothetical. Uh Chiefs were down by 10 in the fourth quarter. Uh Tyreek Hill had a amazing grab on a third and long. Which the Chiefs are the best in the league at Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill are the best in the league at converting third and longs. And it took one of those in the same third and long as last year to put the Chiefs in a position to come back and win that game. 
And just think how different the narrative would be this year if Mahomes had lost to Garoppolo last year and Brady beats him this year. Um, like Bill Belichick is the king of the world. He is getting all of the credit for his quarterbacks um, <laughs> um, totally. doing their thing. But uh, uh, and I and I I heard it. I don't know if I heard it last night or this morning. But you know, think of Mahomes and you know if if he if he wants to w- win as many rings as uh, as Brady, so you have to win six more. He's twenty five now, which I don't think is completely out of the question if he can keep playing like this. Um, but if he gets to seven and he and Brady both have seven, but the tiebreaker is the Super Bowl that they played against each other, then Brady gets the tiebreaker. Um, yeah. Now, you know, if Mahomes wants to overtake Brady in the rings category, he has to win seven more um, to, to, to be able to claim <laughs> without yeah. a doubt. And even um, then, even then, up. I don't know if you, you give it to him because, again, Brady beat him in the head-to-head. Yeah. And Brady went to uh, the worst team in NFL in sports history. Really, the Buccaneers, even though they have a title. Um, but it's record-wise, Tony Romo was saying the worst team in the history of sports percentage-wise. He comes to that team, and what does he do? He knocks off Breeze and Rodgers at their home stadiums, and then he knocks off Mahomes. Are you kidding me? I was like, I was thinking about it. He, he might, just muted myself accidentally. He might be the greatest, <laughs> like... Uh, athlete to ever play most dominant athlete to ever play in any sport. Well, I, I think, Brady I think Mahomes has, could win 10 rings. I don't think he's going to do what Brady has done. I don't think unless he does exactly what that and goes to the jets and wins a super bowl, at the jets the first year, I don't think anyone could, could come close to that. Brady has had two hall of fame careers. I mean, he won his first three super bowls early in his career. And then he's won his last four since the age of 37. That is unbelievable. Uh, like that's, like that's two Super Bowl. I mean, that's two Hall of Fame careers in one um, for Tom Brady. Um, just, just incredible. I mean, the fact that he's only lost to Eli Manning and Nick Foles remains to be the uh, um, mystery for for all time. Um, <laughs> but I think he's fine with seven. He's won the Super Bowl in three different decades, which is just absolutely insane. That, yeah, that is nuts. I mean, and the thing is, he's not done. I mean, he said last night he's coming back, and he's up on the podium with his kids. He says, we're coming back, we're coming back. Uh, and I think they're going to have a good chance again next year to win another one to get to number eight for him. And it just it doesn't seem like, at least for the next couple of years, who knows how long he, he can go. But this Bucks team, they're going to be reloaded and, and probably better than they were this year. Yeah, I mean, he he definitely went from New England to a a much better team in Tampa Bay, but a lot of that was due to Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay and kind of building around him. And obviously, I don't have to beat a dead horse here, but Tom Brady is phenomenal, but he would not have won that Super Bowl without the team and that defense, limiting Chiefs to nine points, eight yards I think Mahomes had in the first quarter, and obviously no touchdowns in the game. It's a it's a team effort there, and Brady better be thanking his his defense because they got him that win. They got him, or they helped in that win. They helped in the Saints win and Green Bay um, that win. But as we said before, Tom Brady just finds a way to win a game, and he knows what to do down the stretch and where's the ball going before every single snap. He's just so smart, and it it's like child's play after yeah. being in the league for twenty years, whatever he's been. 
Yeah, and he needs to be sending uh, a Rolex to to Todd Bowles' house because that was an absolutely <laughs> unbelievable, you know, performance from a defensive coordinator and a plan going into that game to one take a look at what happened in Week Twelve when these two teams played and when Tyreek Hill absolutely torched them, and then to be able to put a plan in in place and then to execute that and hold the best offense in football, the best quarterback in football, the fastest receiver in football to nothing, no touchdowns on on the day is an absolutely incredible statistic. And Todd Bowles should have every head coaching job uh, offer that he could ever want next season. And I think the same can be said about Byron Leftwich as well. Two incredible jobs that they did in this Super Bowl. And Randy, you mentioned it, that, that this, de- I mean, that defense and uh, just Tom Brady's in in general, I guess he's had good defenses when he's won some Super Bowls. So uh, I'm gonna kind of contradict myself here and, and say, yeah, I think he's the. I think this win makes him the greatest athlete of all time across all sports, like you mentioned, Zach. But at the same time, in order to get there, he's needed help along the way from great defenses, and luckily he's got it in a lot of in a lot of these Super Bowl wins, uh, and this one in particular, where the defensive side of the ball is the better side of the team, even though they have Tom Brady at quarterback. Yeah, that's a very good up, point. Uh, his defense has given up zero touchdowns in his last uh, last two Super Bowls, zero touchdowns in the last uh, 10 quarters of, um, of Super Bowl play. <laughs> no way. What was the last one, the Rams? Uh, no, the Rams only scored three points. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, I mean it's it's the way that Eli Manning beat them is that that those Giants teams could could pressure with four, which is the most valuable thing to have in in the National Football League if you want to win the Super Bowl is be able to get to the quarterback with four guys and that's with the um you know with a little bit of help from some injuries to the Chiefs but that's what the 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 the, the Patriots that's a Friday's the uh, that's what the Buccaneers were able to do uh do the other night. Absolutely. Uh, fellas, any final thoughts on Super Bowl? I know I already said that, but uh, we, we went for a well, bit there. Well, one more one more stat. So since Brady's left Michigan, he's won seven Super Bowls. Michigan has beaten Ohio State three times. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, that's good. That's good. I like that one, Randy. I like it. Um, all right, moving on from the Super Bowl, some Vikings news, gentlemen. Um, a pick we endorsed, a move we endorsed uh, after the season ended for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, but it's official now. Clint Kubiak hired as your offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings, filling his dad's shoes from a season ago. And a movie like BG, we talked about it already, but keep some continuity, keep some consistency in there. We've had seven play callers now in the last seven years. At least we have you know, the same last name as the guy in front of him. Yeah, I mean, in free agency for offensive coordinators, there was no Coach Killian on the market. I think that was the St. Thomas's yep. offense coordinator, <laughs> yep. was it? Yep. Killian. Um, so I think this was the right move with Kubiak staying in the system. It's, I mean, it's just big for our offense and especially Kirk not having to relearn a brand new system for the fourth or fifth time, whatever it is now. And I think that, well, I, th- I hope that we start to see that paying off next season where he has a year under his belt with the guys on the team and this offense um, because he, haven't, he hasn't had a chance to do that and become consistent as the Vikings QB. 
And just with uh, Clint's age, I think that's a positive for the way that football is trending, just in the way that offense changes is getting into a more pass-heavy, quarterback-dominated league. And you'd like to think that the young mind thinks more of that than Mike Zimmer's buddies, who, we all, who he always loves to bring in and coach. Um, so I think that combo of staying in the Viking system and just being a younger coach uh, will do well for us. And I think compared to the opportunities had with offensive coordinators um, on the job or open for the job, I think that we, we made the right decision. I agree. And we'll see what happens next season. Um, a, a lot to kind of unpack and, and to work through during this offseason uh, with contracts, Riley Reef being a big question mark, Kyle Rudolph another one, Daniil Hunter if he's going to come back and what he's going to come back for and what he wants because he wants to be the highest paid player. So we're going to break through or go down and break down, go through and break down all of that later on uh, in the coming months here. But it's definitely a good, a good spot for the Minnesota Vikings right now. And I like the hire with Clint Kubiak. Let's go into some college basketball talk. Um, we'll talk a little Gophers and Iowa, uh, but just on a big picture right now, Baylor and Gonzaga are, are really in a two horse race right now for, for the best team in college basketball. And they're far and away better than uh, the rest of really the top 10. In my opinion, Michigan being the number three team in the country, I think is is a very good basketball team and a team I think will make the final four, but not even close to as good as Baylor and Gonzaga right now. Uh, Baylor this week, number one spot, I believe in the AP poll. Um, no, I guess Gonzaga was number one. Still. Yeah, I think it's still Gonzaga. Yeah, it still is Gonzaga. But in a couple other polls, I think the uh, Ken Palm and a few other weird online polls like that had Baylor going up to number one this week. AP still has Gonzaga at one, even though Baylor has six quad one wins uh, compared to Gonzaga's five and Baylor's schedule down the stretch here. It is a lot more difficult, obviously, than a West Coast Conference schedule. I think Gonzaga has one uh, game against uh, BYU, and then the rest of their schedule is pretty much a cakewalk. So they will likely be undefeated. Baylor's got a chance. They do have some more. I think they have six more quad one uh, scheduled opponents uh, before the season ends. So they're going to have a bit tougher of a stretch. But if they do get to the season undefeated as well, I, I think Baylor, no question, will be the number one overall seed with just the strength of schedule and the conference they play in compared to Gonzaga. Um, and, and fellas, with the AP poll out this week, the new one, uh, some more history. Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, all out of the top 25 this week for the first time since 1961. Uh, 61. Wow. Yeah, long time awesome. ago. So it, it, it's a crazy year in, in college basketball, and, and we haven't even hit March yet, fellas. Yeah, and Gonzaga played BYU last night, but it was after we recorded this pod, so we'll see how Gonzaga does against the best team other than them in their conference. But, yeah, it's back to your comment about the historical powerhouses not being in the rankings. I think that's awesome. I was thinking about it today, and just like the way the college football playoffs was gone, I'm, I have like a 95% chance of predicting three of, the four, three of the four playoff teams if I say Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson, and then I can say Notre Dame or somebody else, and most likely three of the four are going to be in there year in and year out, which I just do not like that at all. Mm-hmm. Where college basketball mixes it up a lot, whether it's teams actually winning the national championship or just teams that come in the rankings 
and have good regular seasons and do well in March Madness, but don't ultimately win or win. Uh, it, it's cool to me that that's changing year in and year out. Like Drake, a mid-major school, they're undefeated this year and they're ranked and they've beat some good teams too. It's just cool to see these smaller schools be able to handle for their own. I mean, Gonzaga is a smaller school too, but it's just not the same how college football operates, which they're obviously different sports and a lot of different stuff goes into that. But I think it's cool that these powerhouses aren't ranked this year. And we're seeing some of these teams like Baylor, although they were number one for a long time last year, they're relatively new as being a, a powerhouse. And I was watching their game last week. I forget who it was against, but Baylor is just such a fun team to watch. They're really good offensively. They have a couple of stars who can just one-on-one anybody, and they're such a scrappy team on defense, and they hustle and dive on the floor, and they just love it, and you don't see that in the NBA, and that's why I love college basketball. But, yeah, that Baylor team is so fun to watch. So is Gonzaga for different reasons, but back to the point, it's just cool to see a bunch of different teams um, in the rankings, and Michigan is number three right now, um, which is pretty crazy. Their one loss, obviously, being to the Gophers. But um, it's it's cool to see how much teams shift up and down in the rankings. It hasn't worked in our favor for the Gophers, but college basketball rankings just move up and down compared to college football, uh, which moves a lot less. But that's my that's my take on Ramblin' Rick there. <laughs> I like it. I like it. But it, it's certainly well done, been, sir. Well done. Been a crazy year in college basketball, and you'd kind of expect it to be. I, I guess I didn't expect Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, North Carolina all to not be in the top twenty-five. But it, it, it's that's that's the beauty of college basketball is it's always kind of crazy. Yeah, you do have some blue bloods that are typically in there. Uh, a lot of those that we just mentioned aren't in there this year, which makes it fun and gives some teams a chance. And currently, we got you know three teams that realistically have a shot at a number one seed. Maybe you could throw Iowa in there if they run the table from here on out and, and win the Big Ten tournament. But Michigan, Ohio State, and Illinois, I mean, they all have a shot to be a number one seed in March Madness this year when it goes to Indianapolis in about 30 days from now. So I think that would be, I mean, crazy when you, when you think about even two teams being number one seeds in, in March Madness. It, that would just be absolutely insane. And 10 teams overall from the Big Ten – currently in Joe Lenardi's uh, bracketology. Gophers, I think, were number nine seed this week, down a spot, uh, but still in the tournament. Um, so, yeah, rambling. Let's talk Iowa hoops right now. Down to number 18 this week in the AP poll. Down eight spots, I believe, from last week. Uh, seven spots. Ten from, spots. Yeah. Oh, I see. Excuse All me. Right. You guys are at 15 in the AP. I was looking at the coaches' poll. 15 in the AP poll, down seven spots from last week. Uh, lost to... Indiana, and you lost to Illinois before that, or who was it? Uh, we lost to Illinois. We lost to Ohio State in a one-possession game. We lost to Indiana on a buzzer beater. Uh, Illinois, we lost because we didn't get a foul called on us for the past the last 11 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. It's been three losses that are just super frustrating. Um like it's like three games that it's like we weren't out of um, like three winnable games that we just, I mean, Indiana, we lose on a buzzer beater. Um, Indiana is the, the one team that's held us to under 70 points this season. And they've done it twice. Um, you know, Archie, 
Archie Miller, I, 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 I don't like the fact that Fran McCaffrey or any coach, um, it, let me put it this way. If your basketball team has been outcoached by a guy named Archie, your basketball team has bigger problems at hand. Um, <laughs> and that's what happened to Iowa the last two times they've played Indiana. Um, so, I mean, this is typical Fran McCaffrey in end of January, early February, his team's, uh, um, you know, always seem to lose like this. Um, so, I mean, really it's going to come down to, as you said, Beal, uh, um, you know, you have to have to have a run in the, uh, uh, a run in the big 10, uh, run in the big 10 tournament. But I mean, we've gone through a gauntlet. Our last four games have been, um, Michigan, uh, Illinois, Ohio state, um, and then Indiana's a, just like a tough big 10 team. Um, uh, and we've gone zero and four, um, so um, we have some uh, easier games coming up. So hopefully, be able to uh, uh, to to get some wins. Oh, actually, no, we went one and five yeah, in that stretch. We beat Michigan State. Yeah, I was gonna um, say you did squeak a win against Michigan State, but yeah, Michigan State's yeah, not a, not yeah. a super quality opponent this year. Uh, at least in the last couple of weeks. Although Tom Izzo always gets that squad shaped shaped up right about now and gets them working. By March, I mean, I, I don't know where they're projected. If they're projected, probably not a projected team right now, but if they can make a run, they could be another team as well. I mean, really, I don't know if there's maybe Nebraska, I guess you could rule out. Uh, I think Penn State's yeah. on the bubble with Lenardi right now, but there's like 12 or 13 teams in the Big Ten that still have a realistic possibility uh, just because of how difficult the league is this year and how good the league is. Um, and, and I think that's awesome. Yep, and it looks like Drake is the uh, even though a uh, uh, BG Drake did lose this weekend their first game of the year to Val Valparaiso. Um, I didn't see but, that. Dang. Uh, but Drake is um, uh, Drake is the best team in the state of Iowa. <laughs> Drake's overcome like 10, 15 point deficits in the second half a couple times this season. Like yeah. that's like that's a team. They that, probably just that, shoot a ton of threes right there. They gotta just be a, a, a three point team. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> living and dying by the three ball sneaky athletic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So the, 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 the thing with mid majors here every year is experienced guard play because those guys always stay for the, you know, the full four or five years. Like that's, that's the buzzword for everyone to look out for this, this March madness when Joe Lenardi and all those guys are breaking down teams is the buzzword is, experienced guard play. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great one. Or like, they'd be like, this guy's a seasoned veteran when it comes to March Madness and uh, to, yep. to tournament play, a conference tournament. Yeah, but I just can't oh, yeah. wait for basketball to be on all day long. Brad Davidson's going to get all those, uh, oh, yeah. all those buzzwords thrown at him. <laughs> yeah, we got to get it. We got to get buzz cut Brad back on the show before March Madness because that dude's electric. Um, and not just talking about his haircut, the electric buzz, you know, right? Buzz right off. Low three, <laughs> two around the sides, just buzz it all off. Um, all right. Anything else, Randy, BG, wrapping up college hoops? College hoops, nope. Uh, I was going to add something quick NFL for Vikings. Uh, this also happened since the last time we recorded, but the Vikings signed uh, defensive backs coach. Mm. who was the Alabama cornerback coach. Um, 
to replace whoever we had. So hopefully uh, he does well and teaches our young corners for sure because I think we're covered when it comes to safeties. But uh, use his expertise. And from social media, it sounded like we got a, a really good uh, coach there. Well, there we and go. And everybody's jumping ship from Alabama, it seems like. They're just losing really? so many coaches. Huh. Interesting. Maybe uh, Saban's time is uh, coming to an end there. Um, yeah, yeah that, that's awesome. Roll Tide, baby. We'll take yep. one of their guys. Um, all right, moving on. Last part of the show here. Um, and, Zach, we got to work on the name, but are we calling it the most revolutionary player? Is that what we went with? Uh, yeah, yeah. It doesn't really have a great ring to it, but most revolutionary works for me. All right. Hits the, hits the point on what we're trying to get at. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So we got... Randy against Rambo and Rick in the first round matchup of uh, Randy's number one seed, Tiger Woods versus your number four seed, Rick, Sean White. Um, both of you guys want to give us just a quick little rundown of, of these athletes or just a little preview of your blog? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, Sean White, um, a lot of people thought of him, you know, or at least our generation of of Olympic viewers. I don't know what you want to say now. It's not really on TV too much besides the Olympics. Um, but our uh, generation of, of okay, <laughs> let me turn off my camera real quick. Sorry, really I had to turn my mic off. Okay. I was laughing. So I'm not gonna look at it. Okay, so our group of guys, like he, he hit it real big. Hey, no, let's really, just explain. Like, let's really just explain what's going on, quick, Zach. Sorry. Uh, okay. There's a, turtle, there's a turtle man that is my Zoom background. On our Zoom call, uh, which we're going to start recording pretty soon and start putting those videos out there. But BG has a very strange picture. Who are those guys besides you? <laughs> Four of his co-workers and him all holding each other like a family. And then we got Randy with a picture of a turtle. And Zach had some strange pictures as well. Um, I had to turn. I had to get away from it. I, I could have just simply turned my phone away from me. <laughs> Sorry to cut you off on Sean White. Continue. <laughs> no worries. I needed a restart button there. I, I okay. Let me drop my phone again. Okay. So the thing about Sean White is that right when he hit hit it big, it was like 2000, 2003 to two thousand six. It was like people were hearing about this young guy. I was like, holy cow, this guy's this guy's crazy good. He went pro at thirteen snowboarding. Went pro at skateboarding at seventeen. Um, he got his first sponsorship when he was seven year old, seven year old. And, and Tony Hawk had, had spotted him at a, at a skate park. Obviously they didn't just didn't run into each other, but it was like, a must've been, you know, somewhere down at, out in LA, out in California there. And he, Sean White or uh, Tony Hawk had heard about this young kid and he was seven and he was tearing it up at the skate park. And so he got his sponsorship and he, you know, won his first Olympic gold medal in 2006 at age 19. And, um, he, he's just a, he's a pioneer for the sport. He, he, put it on the map. He's, he's made a couple different, many different, uh, tricks for, for half pipe and, and for slope style snowboarding. Um, he's really the, the, everything you want in a, in a guy that represents your sport. He's a great dude. He stays out of the news, um, when he's not snowboarding, which is what you want from that kind of guy. Um, yeah. he's just, he's an inspiration. He's, he's, he's the man. And I was super, uh, my brother, dear Jared and I were, we were super into Sean White growing up, but he, Jared got a hat that resembled Sean White's hair and he would always wear it snowboarding. And it was just, he was just a man. So I think on an inspiration and, and a revolutionary uh, level, just how, how he revolutionized that sport and just, a, he's a pioneer for snowboarding. Truly. Uh, I think he's a, a good representation, but I didn't have three other great, great uh, guys to, 
represent this category, I would say that he could be higher than a four seed, but mm. there he is. Mountain Dews, baby. Mountain Dews. Um, Ramble and Rick. Talk Tiger Woods. I'm not rambling Rick, but I'll, uh, yeah, but, but I'll go ahead anyway. Sorry, I meant Randy. Um, Randy. <laughs> I mean, he's he's a man who needs an introduction. I'll just I have a list here of some some Tiger Woods stats that aren't just you know all of his majors and wins he has and whatnot. Um, uh, I mean, first off, you know, coming off the Super Bowl and Tom Brady, you know, doing it at age 43. Um, Tiger Woods across his 82 victories on the PGA Tour. Uh, the players, uh, the players in those fields that of the tournaments he's won have been born from a span of 1922 to 1999. Tiger Woods has less missed cuts on the PGA Tour than Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas, who are both 27. Uh, Tiger's 40, um, just turned 44 uh, um, about a month ago. Um, from 1997 to 2013, Tiger Woods was a combined 126 under par in major championships. Among players who played in at least 20 majors over that same span, that is a 251 strokes better than the next player on the list. Just complete dominance for such a long period of time. Um, I mean, it's. I, I mean, I could go on here. The last seven years on tour, only one time has a player led any event by double digits entering the final round. That's Tiger at, at the 2000 U.S. Open. Um, it took Tiger 10 years as a professional before he lost a major championship where he was where he held the lead or was a co-leader at any point in the final round of the majors. Um, wow. And that was in 2007 in the Masters. He was a co-leader for 10 minutes. Um, and that was the first time in his career that he even sniffed the vic- uh, sniffed the lead, and he um, and he couldn't get it done. Um, I mean, he is. Um, and, I mean, this isn't any of the stats I listed here, but he's a black man who conquered possibly the whitest sport uh, in the world, um, and um, he brought a resurgence to the game of golf not seen in ever um not seen in really any sport ever um just the number of people that he's brought to the game not just you know all the the young professionals who are playing now who who idolize idolize tiger woods when they're growing up um but the casual golfers that he's inspired um and you know the the number of golf courses built each year from uh um from the late 90s into uh um the early 2000s was um, just doubling every single year because um, of one guy that was, uh, and that was Tiger Woods. Um, and I mean, he has, he has the regs to riches story. He, um, you know, as uh, if, if his back didn't give up on him and if his, uh, um, you know, if some other things didn't happen, then <laughs> <laughs> I think he'd be uh, uh, far and away uh, um, the unanimously, considered best player in the world. I mean, the only thing that he doesn't have is the, um, the only record that he doesn't have is the, uh, uh, the most major championships and, you know, he's still three behind Jack Nicholas, but even at age 44, he's, uh, he's going to be the favorite going into, or one of the favorites headed into uh, um, every major for the next couple of years. Um, so just mm-hmm. the, the combination of the longevity for Tiger, as well as, 
um, just the complete and utter dominance um, is uh, is White Tiger is is by far the most influential athlete um, for uh, his particular sport uh, of all time. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, BG Muhammad Ali versus Billy Jean King. You got Muhammad Ali. You want to start? Yeah, I'll start. I'm just going to give a short teaser um, and switch it up a little bit. And you can check out the rest of it online in our little blog post that we have against one another. But Muhammad Ali, he is known by two names. Very few can say that. Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay, he is the best boxer of all time. I don't think that's a disputed fact where pretty much in every sport there's a real dispute over who's the best athlete in that respective sport. Um, in boxing, it's a clear answer that it's Muhammad Ali. Um, but he's even more influential or revolutionary, as Zach wants to call it, or Rick wants to call it, um, from his impact outside of boxing and just kind of being a trailblazer for athletes to use their athletic platform to talk on social issues and he was kind of that forefather when it came to that and talking about civil issues and civil unrest um, and being heard internationally and globally because he was on top of the world and uber popular at that time in his career um, and changing his name from Cassius Clay to Muhammad Ali uh, for religious reasons and uh, prosecution reasons as um, if you want to read into it that's what I'll be talking about more so in depth but just the combination of him being by far the best in his respective sport and being one of those people to trailblaze the way um, about speaking up about social wrongdoings in the world and being more about sports uh, that's why he is definitely the or one of the most influential athletes of all time yeah, it, Muhammad Ali, no question, and that's a it's a, it's a tough draw for me uh, in the first round with my number three seed. I want to say, let me double check that. Uh, yeah, my number three yep, seed, three seed, Billy Jean King, BJK. Um, she was a beast. She's basically the goat of women's tennis. She won thirty nine Grand Slam titles. Um, represented the U.S. in the Federation Cup, which is like the Ryder Cup for women's tennis. Uh, she was like our captain for that, I think, five times, I want to say, or seven times, five of the times um, she won. So five and two overall in that Federation Cup. Um, but probably her biggest achievement, and I talk about this in my blog post as well, um, she beat Bobby Riggs, who was super good in the 40s and 30s and 40s. He was the number one uh, ranked tennis player in the world for a number of years in the 40s. He won Wimbledon and a bunch of championships um, or Grand Slams, whatever they call them. And he would talk a lot of smack about the women's game. And he would, at the age of 55, he was, you know, still trying to fight or trying not to fight, but trying to uh, play against these women in matches and just like celebrity matches. And he offered um, Billie Jean King $100,000 if he beat her uh, or if she beat him. And so he, he had done this before and he beat another previous women who was a number one player in the world. And so she took this fight or not this fight. I keep thinking like a boxer. I don't know why she took this match and ended up beating the dude in three consecutive sets. And it was witnessed by 90 million people on TV. It was in, they played in Houston in front of 30,000 people. 
and it was just a complete domination of this guy, and it really did so much for women's tennis, and it kind of put women's tennis on the map. And not only that, but she also started the first pro women's tennis tour, and the U.S. Open site is now named after her. She's just an absolute beast. Um, Tough draw with Muhammad Ali, but I think she can hold her own, so we'll just have to wait and see what the people vote. Uh, We're going to get these posts up. If they're not up already, they'll be up shortly, uh, possibly by tonight at the latest, Tuesday night. Uh, but go ahead and we'll, we'll put a poll. Actually, how are we going to do this again, Ramblin? We didn't get a chance to talk today, but are we having people vote week by week or are we going to wait until the end? Uh, oh, that's a good question. I was thinking week by week we vote, um, but we could, we could wait till the end. We could just have these articles come out Monday and then next week's Monday would come out. And then, so everyone will just have an idea of, uh, where we all stand you know, when March you- madness starts, then we can start voting on things. Um, and then we'll, Everyone will be uh, all read up and listened up on it, and they can make their choices then. So I think we could maybe maybe vote, wait on that if it works. at the end guys. is the better. Okay. I think that I think that sounds. I think that makes a little more sense. Maybe. Okay. Maybe we'll change that too. But for now, let's say we're going to vote um, at the last week. So we'll do this the next three weeks uh, leading up to March Madness, and then we'll you know play them off. We'll have a vote and see who wins the most uh, inf- or revolutionary, I guess, uh, athlete of. Uh, of all time, I guess. I, I guess that's what we're doing, um, folks. Any more? Uh, any more arguments for y- your person why they should be uh, more influential or why they should be voted upon compared to the other athletes? It all. Uh, it all stayed in the article. Y'all. Y'all gonna. I think you're. It's gonna be a big upset versus Tiger Woods. I just have a feeling. I love. Just it. have a good feeling about it. I love it. Go read those on wakeandtakepod.com. We'll be back on Friday morning. Talking who knows what. Probably talk some twins. I know I said we were going to talk twins today. We didn't get a chance to. Zach, let's talk twins on Friday, and we'll see what else is going on in the world. See you guys all then. Another turning point, a fork stuck in the road. Time grabs you by the wrist, directs you where to go. So make the best of this test and don't ask why. It's not a question but a lesson learned in time. It's something unpredictable, but in the end that's right. I hope you have the time of your life. So take the photographs and still frames in your mind. Hanging on a shelf and good up and good times. Tattoos of memories and dead skin on trial For what it's worth, it was worth all the while It's something unpredictable, in the end that's right I hope you have the time of your life
In the end, that's right. I hope you have the time of your life. It's something unpredictable. In the end, that's right. I hope you have the time of your life.